Ed, how are you doing? Have you uh, been jetting around the world following having some sun-drenched break to improve your work performance this week? No, although I have been jetting around the world, currently talking to you from uh, not-so-sunny Barcelona. Catalonia is uh, is all right this time of year, but uh, rather great outside. Um, you are in the wrong place basically aren't you you're, you're you're there for the wrong leg as we record this Manchester City have not yet played Barcelona are you, are you going to go out and watch the game with the locals I most certainly will be and uh, I will be cheering the locals on although you know not not in a, a kind of small minded way just just enjoying City getting a good spanking hopefully I realised how small minded I am as all day at work I was just going Barcelona it was the first time that we met um, I, I wasn't really aware I was doing it and then I thought, okay, yeah, that, that's proper small-mindedness. But hey, lads, it's all right. They might be doing better than us in the league, but we sold more club tour tickets today. Apparently, mm. uh, the museum sold out of club tours for Barcelona fans coming to visit Manchester. Very, very good, all three of them. Yeah, club tours, that is. Interesting little spat this week, isn't it? Pellegrini uh, and uh, Zabaleta suggesting that uh, City are now bigger than United and then uh, there's the side piece with uh, Mourinho and Pellegrini, which is uh, just joyous. I have to say I'm thoroughly enjoying that argument between the two of them. Um, And, uh, oh, sorry, Pellegrini, Mourinho and Wenger, I should say, because they've all been having a go at each other this week. And then, uh, and then this uh, ridiculous argument that says he are somehow bigger than United. Although I, I did like Danny Alves's comment that uh, he didn't realise there were two clubs in Manchester until about five years ago. Well, quite, Danny. I mean, yeah, I think that's just a language thing, you know. I, I don't think he was. I, th- I think it's all very easy to jump up and down about that. But really, all he was saying is that they're the more relevant side at the moment in Manchester, probably. Yeah, I mean, it's much like Arsene Wenger's argument that power had shifted to Arsenal all those years ago. Hmm. If power, you mean no trophies, then, yeah, I suppose so. Um. I thought of you when uh, Mourinho called Wenger a specialist in failure because I thought that's like the kind of sort of thing that you'd say about Arsene Wenger. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> I thought it was a good line. Personally, I did not write it for uh, <laughs> Monsieur Mourinho. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, because like he has really got a point. He really has. Everyone was up in arms, but he really does have a point about that, doesn't he? Because Arsene Wenger's last six, seven years or whatever it is have been a catalogue of failure from quite a position of strength. They have, although of course Wenger had the last laugh after the weekend, didn't he, with uh, Arsenal going through against Liverpool and and, uh, Chelsea going out against Manchester City rather comfortably as well. City won that game. So, last laugh on Wenger. But Mourinho, of course, you know, he's a man who's got 16 major trophies to his name uh, and, uh, you know, some of the biggest possible to win. So, I suppose when he, he can talk about success and failure and stand on some kind a high horse. It was rather graceless, I thought, though, despite the fact that he may be talking from a position of strength. I can't believe you said high horse. He's a little horse. He's made that abundantly clear. Yes. Doesn't make any sense to me, that one, still. Anyway, uh, do they have horses in the UAE? I think they do, but I didn't see any United players on them this week. I did see them on the beach at a bar, uh, hanging out with a coke fiend, also former greatest player on the planet, I might add, <laughs> hanging out uh, in various bars uh, and uh, with Mitchell Salgado and son, rather randomly. Um, United's hardcore training camp in Dubai. I don't mind them having a chilled out 
time. I think they probably could do with that, frankly. They've got nothing to play for when they get home. As long as they're running around a bit in the daytime, they probably do with a bit of relaxation. Relaxation can improve performance. You know, it's not like a completely revelatory idea that, but, you know, of course, in England, people looking warm and happy, clearly a lack of moral fibre. Well, look, I, I think the question is this. I don't think too many people actually believe this is some kind of reward for failure, but it's certainly going to look like that if performances don't improve. The whole point about going away to Dubai is not only to recharge batteries, but to get the squad together in a way that they haven't been this season. You know, the complacency that has been shown has been palpable uh, from the beginning of the season onwards. Will it help Moyes gaining credibility in the dressing room? I'm not sure about that. Uh, Will it help the bean counters add a few more zeros on their Middle East rack of sponsors uh, absolutely Wan Mata spoke this week about uh, how there were very long days with lots of sponsor commitments hmm yeah that's really good for performance as our pre-season has clearly shown over the past few years uh, the highlight of the trip for me I mean not that I took the trip but the highlight of the stuff coming out of the trip for me definitely the pictures with Diego kind of interesting to look through all the different pictures and, and see what was captured there's a there's a kind of identikit quality to some of them but not the ones with Juan Mata and Robin Van Persie where it's like you can see how oh, Diego's actually heard of these people the one with Alex Bootner, a particular highlight. <laughs> yes, Bootner not fit to uh, lace Maradona's boots, of course. Uh, I, I thought uh, it was quite funny how, how much Instagram Bootner has put out in the, the past week and uh, the fact that he's, you know, arguably the worst player in United's squad, uh, yet he's making the biggest splash. Well, you know, there you go. I suppose I suppose he's got to enjoy it while he gets it. The, uh, the most interesting picture, though, was uh, Javier Hernandez and Diego Maradona in, in something of a romantic embrace. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's obviously telling him to keep his chin up and all that stuff. Yanazai and Maradona, slightly frightening image that. It's like, right, Adnan, what you want to do is the opposite of all the things that this man did off the pitch. Uh, on the pitch, you can do pretty much the same thing, so that'd be great. Yes. If he has half the career that Maradona did, uh, he'll turn into a fine, fine player indeed. Amid all the stories of... Uh the uh, ample use of mountains of cocaine that uh, Maradona used to use. We shouldn't forget what a fantastic player he was. I mean, I think he's probably, uh, along with Zidane, the finest player that I've seen uh, during my lifetime, you know, not not talking about recordings from before that. Um, absolutely outstanding player, completely destroyed England in the 86 World Cup, was brilliant at Barcelona, uh, even better at Napoli, fantastic for the national side and, and you know, a real icon. Uh, never quite made it as a football coach or manager though funnily enough no I mean you know he was fun to have around I'm sure uh, maybe Moisey could just bring him back with him and have him as sort of general all round mascot stroke assistant manager type figure I- I'm not sure that's going to have the effect we'd like to <laughs> somehow perhaps we can get uh, Eric in there as well and a few other bad boys of uh, the 80s and 90s uh, talking of assistant managers, rumours this week that René Moulenstein, or Molenstein, as anyone who listens to Football Weekly knows he should be called, was at Carrington, causing much buzz until people worked out that that's one of his lads is in one of the youth teams there. Yes, I mean, a, a lot of talk about uh, Molenstein returning to uh, Old Trafford in some kind of coaching capacity. I, I think that is not likely. He's burnt many bridges already. So, and, yeah, a really interesting season for him. I mean, he started the campaign as... Uh, as a uh, coach at United I mean ended last season as effective assistant manager even if he wasn't in in reality Um, started the season as a coach at United uh, ended up not taking a job under Moyes' direction 
uh, ostensibly because it wasn't uh, senior enough uh, in terms of what he wanted to do took uh, the assistant manager's job at Angie Makakala Makakala McManaman's club and then took over as manager he flirted with the Qatari FA around a technical role and then ended up as a head coach at Fulham and then managers how many jobs is that in the last six months it's got to be at least seven or eight it's a lot of jobs and talking of Fulham I was thinking about the fact that never in history surely has a club undergone a more rampant image change from the start of the season to the end of the season because at the beginning of the season managed by like the most avuncular man in the history of football management you got Ruiz Berbatov and Adele Tarap they're literally like the poster boys for not working hard and now it's you know Steve Sidwell and Scott Parker managed by Felix Magath which is like work personified yeah do you think the owner had an overreaction maybe (laughs) maybe yeah maybe it's like electing a, a, a far left government in response to a far right one or something isn't it well the thing is look McGath will get results I mean whether he's got enough time 12 games to go in the Premier League is, is an open question really I mean uh, he is, he's got results wherever he has managed and, and got results with small teams remember he won the Bundesliga with Wolfsburg of all clubs so you know he, his methods do work he knows what he's doing tactically he does work players hard he has a, a lot of very you know, strict demands but he's, it's all changed again he's Wilkins and Kirbishly have gone Molenstein is a uh, or Mullenstein as you know right minded people say it um, has still got a job you know in reality uh, it's it's all about the compensation before he goes uh, so clearing out the entire backroom staff McGath is bringing in his own people and uh, we'll see if it works you know it's a massive massive gamble isn't it anyway you know but uh, that's a digression I suppose uh, the long and short of it is I don't think our former coach is returning to Carrington no absolutely not I mean I, I suspect it may not be a coincidence that David Moyes was thousands of miles away when Rennie Molenstein turned up at uh, Carrington mm. well, not least because uh, when he turns up at a job the manager gets sacked <laughs> which in this case might not be the end of the world although I think certainly there would be less complacency if Moyes was replaced by I'm not I'm not advocating that for one second because like he does have success for a bit and then all his players want to die so they either leave or get him sacked so which is an interesting contrast with Moyes, of course, who had the reputation of uh, working the boot camp and, and uh, training players hard and talked about overtraining in the summer, didn't he? And um, uh, Robin Van Persie is uh, repeatedly and reportedly unhappy with the training methods that Moyes uh, instigates. Uh, and then we have Dubai, which is uh, players lounging around on the beach and uh, at the masseur's table and at the cocktail bar and with Diego Maradona. Apparently there was some training in there at some point. I really enjoyed the picture of Michelle Sargent kid with Tom Cleverley clearly he looks so excited the kid clearly proving that Tom Cleverley is right and he would be massively rated in Spain Yes, when I grow up, I'd like to be as good as Tom Cleverley. Hmm. Mitchell Sagado was a fine <laughs> player in his day, not not perhaps when he came to England. No, but an excellent player nonetheless. So, talking of excellent players, we've got some time this week. Uh, Last week we talked a lot about the problems of David Moyes, and I've pretty much resigned myself to believing that United would probably be best served by replacing him in the summer, although I'm sure it won't happen, but whatever. We do have to bring some players in in the summer. Uh, Whenever I ask for Twitter questions, people ask us about transfers, and since we've got some time this week, at Tomzor says, out of the defensive signings we've been linked with, which do you and Ed prefer and think are the most realistic? 
rumours this week uh, also that Patrice Evra will in fact sign a contract extension hmm. well I mean that's a protection measure for Evra it's, it's a clause in his contract it seems that allows him to sign a one year extension uh, if he played a certain amount of games uh, so it is reported in the papers uh, and why wouldn't he because it ensures he gets another year's salary if a uh, club doesn't come off uh, in the summer I think in reality he'll be given a free transfer in the summer and so we shouldn't expect that Evra will be at United next season. Oh, that's very upsetting. I, I mean, not that he's exactly been great this season, but I was sort of heartened by the idea that Patrice might not be leaving, but you're saying he's definitely off. I would be really surprised if he's not. Uh, mind you, I didn't mention it on last week's pod, but it did occur to me when uh, watching some highlights of the Arsenal game again after we'd recorded the pod uh, that uh, Patrice uh, engaged in one of the most criminal pieces of defending I've ever seen. And uh, I thought uh, I was going to bring it up on the pod and forgot to, but there was one particular Arsenal attack down the right-hand side in which Patrice Patrice Evra walks back, literally walks back, uh, allowing play to unfold while he did not a jot to stop it. And uh, it's that kind of thing which uh, people tell me uh, happens all the time. I don't think it really does. People tell you. <laughs> people tell me. All right, Moisey. <laughs> yeah. Um, people tell me that Patrice was a good player once. No, I mean, uh, I think his. Uh, I think some of the uh, complacency I, I spoke about earlier uh, has perhaps creeped into Evra's game. He could do with a, a, a new challenge, I suspect, or a new manager one of the two (laughs) yeah absolutely so defensive signings then who have we been linked to who's realistic who do you rate Mangala of Porto is the big one I think uh, his buyout clause is uh, something like 50 million euros I can't see United pulling that one off for a central defender who else have we been linked with this week Paul you're, you're, you're the man for lists <laughs> um, I don't think we've been list, uh, linked with anyone this week who's that lad that you say is too slow Ezekiel Garay yeah uh, that's one that won't go away go, go away go oh. away bad go yeah. away yes good idea Paul go away <laughs> which is uh, what people have been telling um, you on Twitter I believe after you posted your latest Moise out piece <laughs> it's not been too bad I'm, I'm relatively unscathed by the experience I feel a bit relieved this morning I hit publish I was like oh no it's gonna be a hell of a day <laughs> but no it's alright people generally speaking actually it's kind of interesting I mean I, I tried to write something measured that wasn't just saying frothing at the mouth saying he's rubbish and get rid of him but saying that actually it's not ridiculous Chelsea style short term thinking to sack a massively underperforming coach after a year that's uh, that's actually quite a reasonable response to the scenario and generally speaking it seems that very 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 many people agree with that sentiment I don't think the support for Moyes amongst United fans runs particularly deep although it is still out there yeah and of course the other player that United have been heavily linked with scouts uh, at uh, William Carvalho uh, this week he's another defender he's a midfield very talented young player at Sporting I've seen him on a couple of occasions couldn't give you a, a deep insider's knowledge of this one uh, don't watch an awful lot of Portuguese football but people say he's a very talented player so uh, what do you think defenders wise like is there anyone that you think we should be going hell for leather that's a realistic target because surely it's like we've got a massive problem down the spine of the side central defence and central midfield desperately need addressing in the summer yeah so I mean this is an, an interesting one in the, um, the the challenges really are at central defence and left back and the players that United might want to go after um, like Rodriguez uh, in Germany 
And the Monaco left-back Kazawa, who I think has come on leaps and bounds this, this season, uh, I think might be a good purchase as well. Plenty of players that United have scouted reportedly, you know, up to a dozen different left-backs and central defenders uh, the club's after. It's going to come down to money at the end of the day. And uh, and those players who are perhaps a little more affordable than Mangala will be, I, I suspect, the ones targeted. Uh, yeah, because I've, I've been thinking quite a lot about what you said about the money in the bank account and how that's going to impact on the available finances for transfers and really like we've got nowhere near enough money from what you were saying to fix the gaps we've got with the sufficient quality it's going to be a rough summer isn't it well look um, if, if you take as read that at least five or six players are likely to leave uh, then that's an awful lot of money United have to spend it seems like the club's committing nearly £80 million to Wayne Rooney's new contract that doesn't affect financial fair play in so far as it comes out of the total pot that United can uh, spend both in terms of European uh, that's gross spend versus gross cost minus infrastructure and youth or the uh, Premier League one which is a similar formula plus this kind of cap on the amount of wages increase that can be spent per year so it's a four million pound increase per year you're allowed so Rooney's new contract will affect that but it doesn't affect the amortization on player purchases and uh, effectively resets his value so you know in accounting terms it doesn't make a huge uh, impact on United the real impact is where United have to spend really big transfer fees uh, of course because uh, then the club have to think about the not only the impact on year one but the impact over time of writing down the cost of that player my head just exploded the point being United have spent a hell of a lot of money this summer probably to replace five or six senior experienced players it's not kids that uh, United are letting go um, there's some room in the wage budget uh, but there is a limit to how much the club can realistically spend both in terms of how much cash the club has uh, and how much that impacts not only on FFP in this year but also in the subsequent years too. So there's a there's a fine line United have to cross um, here. Uh, so if we're talking about spending 150 or 200 million, I'm not sure I would believe it for those reasons. I think we may touch three figures uh, in millions, that is, maybe. But I wouldn't have thought it would be much more than that. Then again, United have already spent something like £75 million this year. Uh, yeah, which is uh, like, you wonder what budget that's come out of. If Did it come out of last summer's transfer budget? In which case, that all makes sense. Or is it is it not really done like that? Are we just operating a completely reactive strategy in the transfer market? I mean, uh, it's clear from the scouting activity that we're not trying to be reactive this summer, but really plan for it. And you do hope that that's what's going on. Because for all the talk of, I would really love it if we had a different manager going into next season, but I think it's really unlikely. And since... the we are stuck with Moyes we might as well get the best out of the good parts which is this kind of very committed scouting you know but anyway we'll see we we certainly will yeah I mean it'll, it'll certainly be uh, an interesting summer of course you know this is a we're, we're presuming that Moyes and Woodward can get the job done and I suppose matter tells us that in certain circumstances they can but uh, you wouldn't expect United to be sending faxes around Europe in a desperate hope of signing players once again you'd hope we'd have learned a lesson but it's going to be challenging too because think about think about the gap between the end of the season and the World Cup uh, not being much and the gap between the World Cup and pre-season tours starting not being very much um, and even worse if United are in the Europa League so not a lot of time in the summer to get the job done suggests to me that uh, United ought to be making their moves right now 
at Gary J Matthews asks I would like to know how to support a club when you actively disagree with every aspect of how they're being run it's a very good question I think you just uh, grit your teeth and bear it I think is the general gist of it right you sing the players names really loud uh, that sort of thing we've been doing that for eight years haven't we <laughs> yes uh, yeah. at least on the financial and the ownership side of things uh, not liking the way the management side of things is uh, is uh, being run is, uh, is probably new to many of us <laughs> well I mean it's sort of new although it's not like we've been exactly like massive Fergie cheerleaders on this podcast for the last four years or whatever it is uh, we say it as we see it, Paul. Yes, we do indeed. I, I got people keep saying, "Oh, I don't like, I don't like how negative you've become." And I'm like, I'm pretty sure nothing's changed. I sort of vaguely, jollily, optimistically muddle through, thinking United are not very well run and haven't been for a long time. Anyway. At FF Scout underscore Granny says, if the Glazers did decide Moyes has to go, how would you expect Sir Alex to rea- react to that? Would they have the final say? They definitely would have the final say. And I think Sir Alex's reaction is quite an interesting topic. Yes, well, I mean, he's not had much to say on the uh, on the topic of, of Moyes' performance this season, has he? He's not exactly been tub-thumping for David Moyes, but then again, he's offered no criticism either. He's been a silent partner in all of this. Uh, it, was, it was Sir Alex that got Moyes a job, so you'd expect him to be seeing it through and, and supporting Moyes in the boardroom as well. I mean, uh, Ferguson is a non-executive director. He has no real say in any of this at all, other than he's a big name and a big influence. But the Glazers have shown uh, with the NFL side in Tampa that they're quite prepared to sack coaches. So uh, if they feel that they're not getting what they want and uh, particularly their share price and sponsorship uh, strategy is being threatened, then they'll they'll, uh, they'll give them the boot, no doubt. At Mickers says, if Moyes gets fourth next year, has he earned a third seat? Season. Oh my god! Or must we legitimately challenge for the title next year? Oh, oh I don't want to. Uh, the ifs and buts and maybes and and you know what is the cause and the effect here? <laughs> I mean, I guess if if we're not looking like we're competing for the title by midway through the next season, then then that's when proper action might be taken. But we'll see. I guess. I think if he storms to a lead in the title and then sort of dips off late in the season and finishes fourth, then it's fairly likely that he'll be let go for sort of failing at the final hurdle and if it's a desperate scramble to get fourth then he might be let go for underperforming early in the season so either way hopefully we're not going to have to worry mm. about that we'll see look here, here here's your key metric and this is the one I would watch if I was you uh, United share price 20% off um, since uh, Alex Ferguson retired 20% and in fact uh, post IPO two years or nearly two years post IPO um, it, it has given investors a 6% return you'd have been better off much better off sticking your money in a bank that doesn't sound like good money for any investor and uh, I'm sure the Glazers will be watching that rather nervously yeah absolutely at Craig J Twig says the Maradona United pictures got me thinking which of them would be most likely to be talked into being a drug mule for Diego uh, it's got to be Chicharito like he just looks like he would be innocent enough to fall for it. Diego's like, oh, listen, please, please take this traditional Argentinian present to my to my friend in Manchester, Fat Larry. <laughs> mm. Remember that time when United signed a homeless bum for £7 million? Yeah, I, I reckon he's your man. <laughs> um, uh, and at Paul Gunning1 says, if the Moyes did sign Maradona in his prime, would he stick him on the wing? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Get it out wide and get it in, son. <laughs> I am and Mal Pal asking almost exactly the same question about Cristiano. 
yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, of uh, course, Cristiano was quite good on the wing when he when he <laughs> genuinely played as a winger rather than the sort of oh, no, inside uh, forward he is today. Uh, reading this, it says, would he would he play him at left back and get him to the line to swing in crosses? Yeah, he probably would. Uh, at Steu says United have made even strawberries taste funny this season. Why is that? I cannot answer that question. It's not strawberry season yet. I think that's why. At office underscore monkey says, why is the Metro link so utterly terrible? Uh, he didn't use the word terrible. Uh, I suspect because it's hard to run a public transport network effectively. Goes to some funny places as well, mind you. Some odd planning there. Of course, Manchester was supposed to have had an underground system many, many moons ago, and the uh, central government refused to fund it. Controversy. Yeah, because they didn't care about the North, right? That's the general gist of it. Um, at Mr. Daddy D asks an interesting question. Charlton Best or Law? Which one would you have in the team today? Georgie Best. Bit of flair. I'm really sad to answer this question with any answer other than George Best, because anytime you're given that option, you should be saying George Best just for the, the glorious aesthetics that that would mean. But we would so badly need Bobby Charlton in this team. It's unreal. I, I'd have to go with Bobby Charlton, I'm afraid. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, at least Worsley, friend of the rank cast, asks, how likely is it that Moyes will quit rather than be sacked? No. Could, st- could stress push him to throw in the towel? No. I wouldn't have thought so, although there have been times when it looked like he was cracking up. I mean, I think his workaholic nature and his, his kind of determination says that uh, he's not going to quit. He's going to keep going. But uh, the pressure has been telling. Um, I, I don't think it will tell in terms of a resignation. No, I, I think he. I just don't think he's the type. I really don't. I think the only way he resigns is if he's kind of talked into it as part of a settlement strategy or something like that, you know. But anyway, um, at JSF underscore seven says, my question is, why is the rank cast being recorded so early? It's that time of year when Ed starts his international travelling. So I think we've got quite a lot of this ahead of us, haven't we, Ed? I've got a few scouting missions coming up. Uh, I uh, I think I will be uh, well here in Barcelona and um, in the east coast of the states and the west coast and possibly Korea and Australia uh, before April. So there you go. <laughs> it's very exciting, isn't it? And also sounds like a complete nightmare as well. At Cole 007 says, catching up on the podcast, what's your opinion on crumpets? Uh, this is a very good question. I I like crumpets. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, the listeners to the Rantcast, that I don't like crumpets. But they're just slightly too thick. So it's like you, you put the butter on and you put the honey on. And then you have a bite and the top bit of the bite is all nice and buttery and honey But the bottom bit's a bit sort of dry and floury and crumpety. Don't tell me you can't get your mouth around something meaty. Oh dear. Uh, none of that talk. Um, at Supermomo76 says, how do you think the MUFC youth setup can be improved? A very interesting question. Well, uh, of course, uh, interesting potential move by the Premier League. Some talk about uh, bringing in a B-League of some kind with the aim that they would uh, the clubs would be able to get more players into this B-team and have a structure from under-18s, under-21s through to B-team and first team um, and uh, have a more competitive route to the thir- first team. At the moment, the leap from under 21s uh, to the Premier League is uh, too big for many players to make it. And, and it's a problem at United as well. They also don't play enough games. Um, so you can have a player rarely playing or playing 
playing you know, five or six times in six months, which just isn't enough for a young player. Which is why most of the big Premier League sides use the loan system extensively. Chelsea have more than 20 players out on loan. United, I think, uh, loaned out 11 on transfer deadline day in January. So um, this is the way that players are getting some competitive football at the moment, which kind of means the youth setup's a little bit redundant. It's a matter of hoovering up as many players as possible, coaching them the right way through young age groups, and as soon as they're 18, getting them out on loan. Yeah, which, I mean, I don't know, it, it's difficult to build an identity if you do that, I think, a little bit, because the, the loan spells has such a say on the way the players develop, and it's such a, I don't know, the whole thing's such a lottery anyway, and so few players actually make it to the the first team at Manchester United and, and something like that might be might be a really good idea mm. well uh, in Spain they have a B team system and they actually play in competitive leagues so you know uh, which which is uh, not the proposal here so and I don't think it would be acceptable uh, England historically has had a lot of professional football clubs I think if you started introducing Manchester United B into League One uh, that would kill off some professional football clubs and I don't think anyone actually wants that but a Premier League B uh, w- which is about development might help might help and it would be a mix of under 23s and overage players who need some fitness and that kind of thing um, whether that would help uh, the clubs that are currently benefiting from the loan system who are effectively getting talented young players on the cheap um, is another question as well yeah I mean I, I live in Birmingham and Birmingham City are a club with absolutely horrendous financial problems because their owner had all his assets frozen um, and they really benefited from Manchester United players on loan Lingard for the first part of the season they've got Makeda at the moment scoring and um someone else there as well that I can't think of off the top of my head but you know it's it's a it makes a huge difference to those really cash strapped clubs anyway talking of uh, smaller clubs and a final Twitter question of the week this week from at Paul Gunning one saying will David Moyes ever hit the tactical heights of his opposite number this weekend as Manchester United play against Crystal Palace well interesting this one isn't it because uh, uh, Moyes seen as a pragmatic manager uh, perhaps Tony Poulis is the most pragmatic manager interesting he was always seen as the long ball merchant at Stoke and he's actually got Crystal Palace playing some nice football now yeah absolutely which is really interesting isn't it and 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 it just goes to show like at Stoke he really was trying to make the best of the resources he had I I wonder if not to be reductive about this but the fact that Stoke Stadium is such a nightmare weather wise I wonder whether that was part of the reason that he thought well let's just get it long and hoof it up to Crouchy sort of thing well it's a little bit of a simplification but I, I see where you're coming from I mean look I think he's a pragmatist he's he's coming in, in the short term he's he's taking a team a team built by Ian Holloway that was uh, built to play football he doesn't have the players there to play a physical game so uh, he's building on what he's got but he's getting results seven wins since he came in at the end of November five of them at home they've got a terrific record at Selhurst Park got some good uh, points on the road too um, right now it looks like they're going to comfortably be stay safe United. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be United well we'll see about that one but comfortably stay safe and, and you wouldn't have believed that after the first few months of the season it looked like Holloway and his players were well out of their depth and, and not only that but they've added some good players in the window too I mean Tom Ince is a very talented player I'm sure he'll go on to bigger things than Crystal Palace uh, lots of respect to Palace but I'm sure he's 
he's uh, in the shop window um, Joe Ledley a decent player at Cardiff went up to Scotland for a while he's uh, injected some passing talent into the midfield then Scott Dan very experienced surprised he's moved up a couple of divisions it looked like his career was on the way out but uh, immediately added extra resources at the back so you know some astute purchases they've got a, a big squad there anyway uh, clearly weren't the players that Poulis wanted and, and you know w- whatever you think about Poulis he's getting results with Palace right now I mean yes it's fascinating isn't it because they did look dead and buried and you, you thought well Pulis is a really sensible appointment because he'll be able to do what it takes to get them back up from the championship and then probably keep them up but the fact that he's just absolutely transformed that side and made them into one of the form sides in the Premier League is, is completely remarkable isn't it and I was joking about them comfortably beating Man United but if it was just the form tables going up against each other Palace have got a fairly significant edge in that regard haven't they well yeah, um, yeah remarkable run of form uh, and look the, the thing is you change your manager and you're not guaranteed better results there have been plenty of studies on this you know there might be a short term boost but over the longer term piece bad sides are bad sides um, and the fact that he's got Palace playing not only decent football but winning results when for example Ole Gunnar Solskjaer hasn't been able to do that at Cardiff Mullenstein couldn't do it at Fulham either um, and uh, he's had longer but um, Gus Poyet uh, not been able to do it at Sunderland so you know he's uh, Palace are outperforming all of their relegation rivals at the moment and uh, and it's probably going to save them of course you know 12 games to go uh, things can change and it's still very tight down at the bottom but they were dead and buried in October and they're no longer dead and buried uh, yeah no absolutely and and that's that is a huge testament to to Pulis and and you know it's a it's I mean it's ridiculous but there's no denying that this is going to be a challenging game for Manchester United uh, beat Palace 2-0 uh, early in the season Moyes' first win I think that was wasn't it we hoped it would be the first of many it turned out to be the first of a few I mean we beat them 2-0 that day but they're they're unrecognisable from that team Uh, and it's hard to have any faith or any certainty that United are going to go there and definitely get a result isn't it well yeah Uh, and you know they've got a great home support there so the the crowd will definitely be up for it Uh, they had a fine win against West Brom last time out and they had the game against Everton postponed which has given them a a bit of a long break but you know along with United as well Uh, so um, they're coming into this in form fresh uh, with some new players uh, confident because they've been getting results at home. Confident because uh, they've been taking on some bigger teams and putting in creditable performances, even if they haven't quite got the results against the bigger teams recently. And and so this is going to be a challenge for United. You know, it's, uh, it's one of those grounds. There's certainly some United history there, isn't there? Uh, and uh, I, I don't think this is a foregone conclusion for United at all. Definitely not. If Adnan Yanazai fly kick someone in the crowd, uh, that would be at the very least interesting. I don't know what kind of team Moises going to put out you'd think that he will have a, a good amount of mind on Europe in midweek but then you'd also think that he should have his entire squad fresh enough to play two games in a week wouldn't you especially since I, if I'm right there isn't another league game the weekend after that is there no there isn't yeah another another break until United play West Brom so yeah I mean the, he's got a pretty strongest team out twice I mean uh, the whole point about this this break was that you now go kick on when Matter talked about United chasing fourth I think 11 points behind and the goal difference it's impossible but I suppose you never know it'd be a, a massive shame if United eased off from here on out I mean not least because it'd be quite impossible for United to turn it on in Europe and then uh, relax in the Premier League and expect the results to go their way um, so uh, it's it's uh, every game's a cup final now United have to perform just have to and um, I mean, we said that about Stoke uh, we said that about 
Fulham, we said that about Arsenal, and we we got three pretty poor performances, different types of performances, but you know, not great in any of them. It's about time United put in performance. It's been quite a while since we were impressed by them. I mean, yeah, and we keep expecting to be, and it keeps not happening. And once again, I kind of expect to be. You know, it's uh, it's Charlie Brown and Lucy kicking the football, isn't it? Is she's holding it? She says definitely going to hold it in place this time and Charlie Brown runs up and she takes it away and he falls over and I, f- I feel a bit like that predicting a comfortable Manchester United win but nonetheless like Charlie Brown I am going to predict a comfortable Manchester United win um, I'm going to say that we're going to win that one 3-1 Oof. we're going to score three whole goals that seems ridiculously far-fetched doesn't it bold 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 well are we doing predictions now well um, yeah. I-, I think United might draw this one I think it might be 2 all. Absolutely, uh, I think that's a reasonable prediction. Although it's incredible to think that we're predicting two all draws against Crystal Palace, isn't it? The, mi- the mighty Palace, yeah. I mean, Tony Pulis keeps on this record. They'd be calling it Crystal Pulis, won't they, before the end of the season? <laughs> Good, I like it. So uh, after that, we've got a nice, ha- happy jaunt over to Greece for the game against Olympiakos. Uh, they are, of course, a very famous Greek side with a ton of history, uh, which I don't know anything about. So in a minute after we've heard from you, Ed, I'm going to turn to uh, Olympiakos expert Sleepy Nick, um, friend, old-time friend of the rank cast. Long-time listeners might remember him from uh, the coverage of the uh, Champions League final that ended one all at half-time. Ed, what what? do you make of this game what are you expecting what are you looking forward to what are you worried about we're talking about reductive coverage that, that was uh, that was good stuff that Champions League uh, show yeah you know ended it where it, it was meant to be ended well look, I'll tell you this uh, Olympiakos uh, in a weak league are a decent side they're 20 points ahead of their major rivals 20 so um, I suppose the challenge for them is to uh, is to keep the intensity up in the domestic games and be able to translate that into Europe they've got some good players um uh, including the mighty Joel Campbell on loan from Arsenal. <laughs> of course, they've just lost their principal striker, um, Kostas Mitroglou, uh, who went to Fulham for £11 million about three days before Fulham sacked their manager. Now, there's some good management for you. Uh, their goalkeeper is none other than Roy Carroll. I mean, this is very exciting, but sometimes he's not their first choice keeper, I hear, so... I, I hear this too and uh, Javier Saviola's there the brilliant Argentinian who was never quite as brilliant as everyone expected him to be uh, definitely on the way down in terms of his career so you know they've got some decent players mostly expats uh, in terms of the better the better players uh, and and they're winning their league by absolutely miles they get a very good atmosphere uh, and and it will be a challenge for United as always I tell you what I do expect though you know I know more about United than I do about Olympiacos I do expect United to be very cautious I mean if you look at the performance at Real Sociedad the performance at Shakhtar Donetsk you'd expect a performance more like that than the one at uh, Bayer Leverkusen who I think in retrospect uh, we're a little bit starstruck uh, yeah absolutely I mean I I think they're going to go and play for a 1-0 win aren't they and that is great when it works right that's the, the thing about those away performances in Europe is if you can if you can nick the away goal and keep a clean sheet then you look like a genius but it's a high risk strategy and I, I don't know I feel like I feel like basically if United are going to stand any chance of building something here they should be just going out to try and blow teams away because it's their best chance if you look at our personnel we are so much better suited to go in and trying to batter someone than we are to trying to sustain it like a, 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 a tight 1-0 or whatever well yes with all the, the flair players that United have um 
I don't think that necessarily plays into the tactics that Moyes prefers, does he? I think I think this will be about control. And you know, the the, the funny thing is, you know, we've made so many comparisons between Ferguson and Moyes, and and how Moyes is underperforming in comparison to Ferguson. Well, um, the United's tactics in Europe have looked remarkably Ferguson-esque. Fergusonian, remarkably. And, uh, I mean, if you think about the last flair side United had in Europe, sort of 08 time period, ever since then, United have become more and more and more cautious. And it will be about control. Um, United will try and keep possession of the ball. Don't necessarily do that very well through midfield these days. Um, and, and try and nick a goal from a set piece or a break. Uh, don't necessarily break very well either, given the lack of pace in the side. But that's what it will be. Uh, I, I would be really surprised if United tried to open this game out of his shocks in fact yeah I mean the 08 side of course ground out a result against Barcelona didn't they mm, very much nicking you know so that even that wasn't exactly flareful I mean the last real flair side we had was 99 right that's the last time we really played with proper flair in Europe maybe the season after that as well yeah well the narrative has it that that Real Madrid victory at Old Trafford the season afterwards oh. was the one where the coin dropped in Ferguson's head and became more cautious I think that's a, that, that's a little bit simplistic but um, uh, you know certainly you can see an evolution and and, and this is what Moyes will do you know he's he's uh, United are going to try and nick it and then win the game at home and, and we'll see whether that works of course you know the home side complete opposite it's about signing fast it's about building up pressure it's about putting United under pressure and it's about seeing whether United will crack yeah absolutely uh, we'll see but before that let's have a chat with Sleepy Nick about Olympiacos well I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by uh, Sleepy Nick off of the internet how you doing Nick uh, not bad, thanks, Paul. How are you? Yeah, very well indeed. Um, we as soon as the the draw was announced, uh, I thought of you because this is officially the Sleepy Nick Derby, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you, you could say that. Yeah, my uh, my father is is Greek, of course, and uh, this is his club. So growing up, I've obviously supported both. But living in Manchester and going to my first game when I was about five or six years old, there's only been one club for me really, and that's uh, Manchester United, as you know. So you'll be supporting the Reds in this one. Have you apologised to your dad? Is he all right with that? Yeah, we've had. You can imagine the email trail, can't you? These last couple of weeks, uh, lots of interesting emails. But he, know, he knows I'm, I'm with United, and just like I know, he's with Olympia because uh, some some funny email exchanges, to say the least. So, uh, what can you tell us about Olympiacos and and how much of a threat are they to Manchester United? Well, uh, right, where do you start with that one? I think, I mean, traditionally you'd think this is, you know, a banker for United, wouldn't you? You know, in the years gone by, especially the last three or four years, Olympiacos have been absolutely dreadful in Europe. They're kind of peaking in the early noughties and having a, a few decent uh, knockout competition kind of games. But nowadays, you just don't know what to ex- expect from United. So with that, I think you could even argue that that Olympiacos are favourites certainly for the for the first leg of the tie massive expectation in Greece at the moment my dad's telling me I mean they're kind of 25 games unbeaten at the moment 100% record at home in fact the only the only two games they've not won at, uh, were away and both were nil-nil so the fans are really kind of looking at looking at what's going on over here in Manchester and really kind of licking the lips so they're going to be a threat I think um, and it'll be more closely fought than, than perhaps many of us are imagining we've had lots of Twitter questions about how much the uh, departure of Mitroglou uh, will affect Olympiakos's chance uh, against us. Was was he very much their main man? Well, yes and no, really. He was certainly the uh, the one that's come through the ranks in the last three or four years, and we've always had kind of high promises for him. Uh, and he's just found some magical consistency this season and last, really. I mean, there's some statistic, I think he had three or four hat-tricks in six or seven games at some point, uh, including a 
Champions League hat-trick this year. So he, he just really hit a, a rich vein of form. So in that sense, he is a massive loss to Olympiacos. Um, obviously, he's going to spearhead Greece's World Cup chances in, in the summer. But in, in all honesty, I'm not sure whether it's such a, a such a big loss. I think with the, the recruitment of Saviola last year, you know, I think he's going to spearhead the attack. At 32 years old, he's, he's not near his kind of peak at, back in his Barca day and in his heyday. But he really is taking a Greek league by storm. Uh, 11 goals in 22 games. So I'm not sure they'll miss Mitroglou as, as much as they perhaps would have thought uh, perhaps four or five months ago. And, and I'm sure, uh, you know, they'll pack the midfield and just play Saviola up front anyway. And, and, and he'll cause us some, some harm, I suppose. His, his movement's always been fantastic. The disappointing news is that I hear that Roy Carroll is not Olympiacos' first choice goalkeeper. That's correct, yeah. He's, whilst he's had a run in the team, mostly last season, um, we've had Roberto firstly on loan from Benfica and now just, just kind of secured his services long term in January. Uh, Roberto's just been absolutely fantastic and unfortunately Carroll's just had to sit and bide his time on, on the bench to be honest, but apparently he loves the life, he loves the Greek life, uh, he loves going for going for coffee with, with, with all the kind of players that's, that's what he says it's infamously said that's all the Greeks do is drink coffee and smoke cigarettes um, so he seems to love it there even, even though he is on the bench but Roberto's a fantastic keeper and he'll be very hard to dislodge to be honest So who are them other than Saviola um, and Roy Carroll from the bench who are the, the main threats to United in an attacking sense? In an attacking sense well we've got kind of a, a young Dutch lad called Campbell who, who seems to be doing really well not sure whether he'll start because he's typically up front with Saviola in the uh, domestic league there's a potentially might well start from the left um, other than that we've just brought in someone called Perez now I don't know much about him at all but I've seen him a couple of times since we've bought him in the January transfer window and he looks a bit nanny-esque to me he's he's quite tricky you know the old step over very direct runs at the full back and I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll, he'll start on the right or left side so he's perhaps one to look out for especially if he's playing down the right uh, you know Pat's Trevise of late you know if he can get behind, in behind everyone once he's wandered upfield uh, we could be struggling there but again a bit nanny-esque so yeah He's hit and miss from what from what I've seen, but tricky nonetheless. Okay, uh, so on to United then. Uh, one thing that I want to do while you're on the line is we always uh, play the game of, of guessing the lineups in advance, and uh, you're a, a well known to be a master of that game. Assuming no major injuries against Palace, how, how do you think Moyes lines up the team against Olympiacos, and also how do you think he should line up the team? Ah, oh, good question. How, how he might do and how he should like you know that that's the key question with Moyes, isn't it? All the time, there's, there's something that we think he should be doing that looks glaringly obvious and then he seems to go the other way but the first thing that springs to mind you know you go into the Kawasaki Stadium the fans are going to be absolutely electric they're going to pack the midfield and, and try to sneak a uh, you know 1-0 I think he's going to go with caution I think you know I know you you're famous for saying that to be honest aren't you Paul you know he seems to be just obsessed with caution and reacting to other teams rather than being proactive himself so I think one on the team she unfortunately is Ashley Young um, whether he starts left or right I don't know probably going to go matter right young left Carrick and Cleverly sitting in Rooney behind Van Persie I, I can't really see it being too much different might, you might throw in Valencia there might be a case for Fletcher but he's looking a bit jaded these days which just leaves the back four I mean anyone's guessed the back four to be honest but you're probably looking at um, 
small and going to right back, providing a bit of stability there because they're very strong uh, down the left side at the moment, Olympiacos. Um, and then one of Jones or Evans' partner in Vidic. What, what are your thoughts on that one, Paul? Um, I, I think that that sounds about right. I wouldn't be shocked to see Ryan Giggs alongside Carrick or even maybe Giggs and Jones in central midfield because he does seem to value Giggs in Europe tremendously. Uh, and he's not been... That's one of the things he's got right, actually, because Giggs has been pretty impressive in there in Europe a few times. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. That's a shout, to be honest. He seems to play in roughly every eight or nine games and it seems to be his calling. I just don't know whether cleverly he's booked himself a place, to be honest, with his performance against Arsenal. Not had a fantastic season, as we all know, but I think he did a really good job. The Emirates, you know, just gets the ball, intercepts it, gives it, keeps it, uh, and it doesn't go down too well with the fans. But, you know, he's, he's got a role to play in that team at the moment, this, you know, with the massive gaping hole in the central midfield that's clear to everyone apart from uh, apart from the board. But, um, yeah, you've got a shout there with perhaps Giggs. But the other thing to kind of mention, Olympiacos' central midfield is quite strong. So whether Giggs will be seen too much of a risk, um, you've got Magnatis in there who's going to kind of take the... He's, he's usually the captain and he sometimes captain of the national side as well. He's an up-and-down kind of Roy Keane-type player. Nowhere near as skillful, but really kind of feisty uh, and won't let you settle on the ball whatsoever. And by the side of him, you've got a relatively new signing in, in Dinga, and he was fantastic in League One last year. So they really do solidify the uh, the midfield for Olympiacos. So perhaps it is, um, maybe, maybe even Fellaini, dare I say it. But to be honest, he's, he's not had many matches, so I can't see him starting that game. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. And talking of interesting, while, while we have got you here, Nick, what have you made of Moyes, and how much chance do you think there is that he'll be able to come good at some point in his spell as Man United manager? Oh, Again, tough one. I mean, you, you know, you, logic says you must give him time. You must make him, you know, give him time to, to mould his own squad, his own team, his own way of playing. But then, you know, you look at the evidence today, which is a good, what, five or six months now. Uh, it might sound ludicrous to judge someone so soon, but he seems to only have one way of playing. And I'm just not sure that's the Manchester United way of playing. It certainly isn't getting us from our seats. So I can't imagine it will be doing uh, Ferguson and the board, to be honest. Um, at one point, they're going to have to sit down and say is this working for us now whether that's the summer whether it's next summer you know do you give him the famous two seasons I'm not so sure I think at some point they're going to have to make a decision he's breaking all the records in the wrong way it just doesn't look as though it could improve even if you were to sign Lionel Messi and Busquets or Xavi to really bolster that squad it's all about the way you're instructing your teams to play and his instruction as, as you famously pointed out uh, on, on the pod this week is you know, simply cross that ball. You know, whether you're on the edge of the 18 byline, halfway line, get that ball in the box, and we'll see whether little five foot four Matter can get his head on the end of it. So it's a struggle, to be honest, Paul. And you know, I'm with you 100% on this one. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining us on the show this week, and uh, we'll probably have you on before the second leg. Oh, fantastic, Paul. Yeah, thank you for having me. Anyway, mate. No worries. Take care. Cheers, mate. Can't agree with anything he said there. Rubbish. Rubbish. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Nick, always uh, forthright in his opinions and uh, and our resident Greek expert. Uh, there aren't too many around. No, so it's, it's good that we've got one. Um, right, so predictions for the score in that game, Ed? Uh, I think it'll be nil-nil. Alright. And uh, whether that's a good result or not, I'm not sure because uh, because uh, United haven't exactly been good at Old Trafford this season. I, 
I'm going to predict a win. Why not? It's got ridiculous at this point. A 1-0 win to Man United. I'm predicting two wins in our next two games. This is definitely a prediction of heart overhead because I find it very unlikely that we're going to muster two wins. But the break in Dubai have done a world of good. They've got themselves together. They've got all the, the, the monkey off their back. They've enjoyed hanging out with Diego Maradona. They're freshly inspired and ready to find the best in themselves again. Hmm. Well, well, we'll see. I think uh, the, the, the alternative to that scenario would be Diego Maradona, a whole bunch of bars, some beaches, Ferrari world, 10 days of relaxing. Hmm. I think it'll be great. What could possibly go wrong? Um, all right. So I think that's that'll do it for another show. Uh, we might have a week off next week, depending on Ed's travel plans and United schedule. Um, the, the, the combination of the two things. But we we might get together to record uh, a little mini pod or something. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But no promises for next week's show. Yeah, we'll see what I can do. Um, I've got to go hang out with uh, Lionel and co. And, uh, well, maybe not since they're uh, over in Manchester and... Uh, I'm not, but I will be uh, hanging out and enjoying Barcelona 5, Manchester City nil. <laughs> Enjoy it, Ed. Uh, say hi to Barcelona locals for me. Tell them I'm on their side for once. Um, Mesquite on club indeed. Uh, let's hope they uh, beat the uh, the biggest club in Manchester. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, massive indeed. Massive they are. And uh, we'll see you next week. See you then.